Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace, going to go through uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 today, and um, and I want to start out, because uh, this is kind of a, it's it's one of like, I feel like as I was studying it, it's one of those, um, these passages that I think is such a crucial kind of like a hinge passage on what it means to live out our faith, and um, because it talks about truth, it talks about reality, and it's probably a verse that you've heard before um, that'll be woven in here in a second. Um, a prophet is about honor in his hometown. Have you heard that before? It's also like a phrase that people will throw around. They don't even know that it's, a, uh, that it's from Scripture. Um, but uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And, um, but first, I want to just ask you guys this question. Have you ever prejudged a person and then got to know them and realized that they're completely different than what you prejudged them for? Never. <laughs> I got a good read on people. <laughs> I know exactly who they are. Um, I can see right into their heart and their mind. Um, yeah, we've all been there, right? Where we've prejudged a person, where we've seen them in a certain light, and we go, yeah, they're tattooed, or they're you know, this, that, and the other. They're a surfer. They must be shady. Uh, must be a slacker. Um, they're wearing flannel. What's up with that? Must be a I don't know, I'm not going to say it, but uh, there's, a, there's just, we all have these ideas of how a person should act, what a person should be like. We've seen people in certain contexts, and so we assume that everybody else is that way. If we've met somebody that's like that, um, bald people shouldn't be trusted. <laughs> um, the, there's just, there's something in us that wants to categorize people really quickly, right? Um, and that's where we're going to kind of go with this. So just stick with me on this. We're going to really talk about truth and reality. Um, and, and I do, like I said, I think it's such a hinge passage that um, when I first picked it up, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I don't, I'm not sure like really what to do with this. But then as I dug in, I was like, dang, this is actually, this is the meat of what it means to be a Christian. So um, let's read it. Let's, uh, let's cruise through it and uh, see what he says. So Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and um, last week, Jesus raises a girl from the dead and heals a woman that's been bleeding for 12 years, and this is where it leads into, okay, here we go. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples, which is a key ingredient because I think that Jesus is continually teaching his disciples things, and as they go, um, Mark is pointing out that there's, there's always a lesson to be learned. And so he goes to the hometown, and when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard were amazed. Here's where it turns. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at what he was doing and what he's about. They're like, isn't this just the carpenter? Jesus said to them, only in their own, ta- uh, only in their own towns, among their re- relatives, and in their own homes are prophets without honor. 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay. So it seems like a, a kind of a, I don't know, just a minor passage. But as we dig into this, you'll see it's, um, it hinges on it pretty much all of life. So first off, you have him go home and he preaches in the synagogue and some people are amazed. They're like, this guy's awesome. I love this. I love what he's teaching. I'm in. And then there were some people that said, where did this man get these things? Right? Where did he come up with this? What's this wisdom that's been given him? So they clearly saw there was wisdom. They clearly saw there was something. But then they go on and say, these miracles he's performing, like, that's wild. I don't know what to do with that. Isn't this the carpenter? Which I kind of take offense to as a carpenter. I'm like, what's up with that? Like, why is it... Why is he going to be considered shady? Because he's a carpenter. Um, but they took offense to what he was doing and what he was preaching and what he was saying. And what I think is really important here is that what Jesus begins to do here is push back on the preconceived notions that we have. He's in his hometown, and they're like, wait, we've seen this guy. We've seen his siblings. We've seen... Brothers, sisters, mom, dad, that sort of thing. Interesting thing, his dad isn't mentioned. A little side note. Um, so maybe he's dead at this point, right? Um, interesting little, little side bit that I had read in a, a commentary. But, um, but really, like, their, their idea, their pre- preconceived notion of who Jesus was didn't fit. It didn't fit anymore. They're like, isn't he the carpenter? Like, he fixes stuff. Like, he doesn't, like, heal people. He doesn't preach. Like, he doesn't do that sort of thing. And this doesn't fit the mental mind map of how we view this guy Jesus. He's completely um, either off his rocker. I don't know what's going on. Um, how many of you guys have seen Talladega Nights? I don't know if this is a good reference to drop here, but a couple of you guys are going to get this. Um, Talladega Nights, it's a, yeah, we don't need to go too far into it, but you can look it up later if you want. But essentially, there's a moment where they're sitting around the table and they have this conversation about like how they like their Jesus. And basically he says, I like my Jesus eight pounds, seven ounces, or is it six ounces? I don't know. But he's just like, we have our idea of how we like Jesus. Some people really like Jesus on the cross. Some people really like the fact that Jesus is in sandals and a robe and just like throwing a peace sign, you know, like everybody, if you, if we went around the room and said, describe Jesus, we'd all have kind of a little bit of a different take on it, right? Is there a a right or wrong take? So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Yeah, just to get you to start thinking. Yes. Um, and what begins to shape your idea of how you view Jesus? Even if you've been journeying with Jesus for 50 years, it may still have a little bit of a tint to it that's probably not correct or correct, Right? So here's, we got to wrestle with this. And this is why this passage got so fun for me as I started to think about it. Because I'm like, wait, so what are some of the things that maybe I've thought about Jesus that aren't right? What are some of the things that maybe other people think about Jesus that are right and I don't agree with them? And all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't want to just completely throw you off the, off the ship right now. Let's keep journeying. Let's keep going through this. Um, but essentially... There is a truth that exists. There is a truth about who Jesus is. And what Jesus begins to push back on here is that we have these mental ruts, these ways that we view him, and it, sometimes it doesn't fit the mold. 
Sometimes we're just like, he's not eight pounds, seven ounces anymore. Or maybe you've like gone home and visited family before and they're like, you've changed, you're different, right? Like if we leave our hometown and we go back or if you haven't seen family for a long time, they're like, dude, you lost a lot of hair. Like what's going on? No, it's, um, it's just, it's when you don't see people and you don't journey with them and you don't process all of the steps in between, our ideas may be a little skewed. So the side block of their mental Jenga has been pulled out. They're like, who is this guy? We're not cool with this. Like, I, we're not with him. Some of them are with him, but some of them are not. Um, and then he responds with basically a prophet is without honor in his hometown. Or uh, is not without honor. And so what Jesus recognizes is that he's undervalued in his hometown. That his family, the community that knew him one way, didn't quite understand where he was at and what he was doing and what he was beginning to proclaim and what he's doing there. And so what happens here is the narratives that we have going on about reality, um, we all bring in a different narrative based on our upbringing, based on our family view of what scripture says uh, or what um, we were taught when we were younger about who Jesus is. Um, All of those things can shift and change, um, but many of us bring in preconceived ideas of what it is. Um, We have this thing called mental maps going on continually. Um, If I asked you how to get to your house right now, you would give me a mental map. Um, Some of you would use descriptive words like you turn at the Starbucks, and some of you would use terms like you turn at El Camino Real, right? Like we'd all describe it slightly different, but you have a mental map right now to get home. And some of us are on autopilot when we do that, right? Like we think about all kinds of stuff. You don't need to think about like which road name it is and all these different details. You just go. Um, We all have mental maps continually going on in our minds, how you do your job, how you interact with your family, um, your... Basically, every belief system that you have about your daily life, how to get gas, how to get groceries, where to get groceries, what kind of groceries to get when you walk into a grocery store, all these different things. Um, We have these mental maps that go on. Some people will call these mental maps, you've probably heard these phrases before, a worldview. Maybe you've heard that before, right? Um, A belief system. And what Jesus calls it here is faith. Okay, so... The idea that their belief system, their mental map of who Jesus is, was wrong um, helps us begin to see that maybe my mental maps are wrong. Maybe my belief system, my faith system, could be wrong at times, right? Um, It may need some refining. And so our worldview can be riddled with lies. And that's where, like, I want to show you these Dallas Willard quotes because... um, Mental maps help us navigate our faith. It helps us navigate who Jesus is. It helps us navigate our daily life. Um, It's ultimately like this is kind of the foundation of how we experience like true meaning, true life, right? The way that things are intended to be. Um, And uh, and so we'll, we'll unpack this in a little bit in a second. But basically, truth reveals reality. And reality is what we run into when we are wrong. This is a famous Dallas Willard quote. He's a theologian. Um, he's a professor. And so he, he basically points out that truth is what you run into when you're wrong. Okay? So I can believe that driving on the left side of the road when I get home is right. Right? I can believe that all I want. But what happens the moment I leave this parking lot? 
reality hits. The truth hits, right? Reality that you can't drive on the left side. We're not in Australia. We're not in New Zealand. Like, you can't do that, right? Is it New Zealand? Do they drive on the left? I don't know. I think they do. Um, and I can believe that. I can preach about it. I can talk about it as much as I possibly, until I'm like blue in the face. And everybody could tell me I'm wrong. And I could go, no, this is my truth. And this is how I'm doing it. But until I drive out there, that's just a thought. It's a mental map that I think is right. But then when I get out there, reality hits and the whole thing comes crashing down. Literally, right? Um, so mental maps, worldview, faith, all these things, all, any, however you want to describe it, that's how we engage God. That's how we engage um, the world. And so what I want to begin to like us to wrestle with is Jesus wasn't able to perform what he wanted to do. He wasn't able to preach the way that, um, that he wanted to preach. He was, people weren't able to receive this message because their mental map, their idea of who Jesus is and what he's supposed to say didn't fit. And so they didn't receive it. They weren't able to hear that truth. And it says that like, he wasn't able to perform a lot of healings, which then it says, but he healed a couple people and had to move on. It was, he was just limited in what he could do. And so there's a truth about what Jesus was saying that either people could absorb, take in, agree with, and say, yes, that's awesome. I want to be a part of that. Uh, you're going to shift my mental map of how to approach life. Or they could say, no, that's wrong, and I don't want anything to do with it. We all have that option today as well, right? Um, but then here's the second part of it. So ideas, this is another Willardism I'm going to drop here. So ideas are a primary stronghold of evil in the human self and in society. So in the world we live in, these ideas, worldviews, mental maps, that's the primary way that Satan will redirect us in a really dysfunctional pattern, right? It's the way that, like, I can have the idea, again, going back to the, the road analogy, that I can have the idea that driving on the left side will work, but until... Um, it's tested and we begin to see it really lived out, um, we're not going to realize that there is an evil in that, right? And so we can have all kinds of concepts and mental maps of ideas of like how faith should be lived out, how our lives should be lived out, what brings joy, what brings happiness, contentment, all these things. But then it, the reality hits and it doesn't work, right? Um, one of the big ones is like in our culture, right, is like more money, you'll you'll get rid of your problems, right? But it's really like we all know the phrase, like more money, more problems. Um, but for some reason, we're convinced that if we have more resources, we have more of that, like any kind of like possessions or whatever, we'll be more content, we'll be more happy. And it just doesn't seem to happen. But yet our mental map keeps telling us, keep going for it, keep striving for more money, and eventually you'll arrive um, at being content. So the challenge we see here is that... Um, the mental maps, the ways that we view Jesus, the ways that we view the world are crucial. It's super crucial to our faith and the success of our faith. And I think this is one of the things that we don't really talk about quite often as Christians. Like we just, our culture wants to say, well, you just do you and you believe what you want to believe and hopefully everything will be all right because we don't want to offend people. But really what Jesus says here is, he says, there was uh, a lack of faith, Right? He was amazed at their lack of faith, their lack of willingness to change their mental map, their willingness to change the way that they view the world. And so um, 
yeah, this, this challenge uh, is something we all have to face in, our, in our, our Christian journey, that we have to acknowledge this. And this is one of the, I think, the biggest challenges we have in our culture is really recognizing there is a difference between lies that Satan wants to feed us and truth, and that there is a truth that we can stake our lives on. Um, and so as we begin to, I think, navigate what is this, this way that Jesus, Jesus invites us, uh, we have to ask, is the way that Jesus calls us to live a reality? That when he says, love your enemies, is that a reality? Is that something that you can achieve? Or is that just like a cool like God phrase, you know? Is it reality that that will actually transform our world? That loving your neighbor is the best possible way to live life? Um, Jesus talks about this over and over. And one of the examples I want to show you in another passage in John 8, he has this discussion that unpacks us. And this isn't like a new thing where he talks about faith and he talks about understanding. Um, But he goes on and he, he says, as Jesus spoke these things, many believed in him. Again, there's like, there are many that said, my mental map is going to change. I like this. Like, you're speaking truth. I'm going to pursue this. And he said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of you have heard the, that phrase? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then he goes on, and he says, Uh, Or they say, we are Abraham's descendants, they answered. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we will be set free? So their mental mind map of how faith works was it had to be in a certain category, in a certain way. And they were like, are you telling us that we're chained up? And he's like, yeah, you, you actually are. And you just don't know it. And he goes on, watch this. It's really interesting. He says, Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not permitted uh, or a permanent member of the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So this is like really like clutch moment where Jesus is like, you can believe that you're part of this old faith of getting into Abraham and all this stuff, but he's like, he throws it all out and says, if you're a slave to sin, if you're a slave to believing anything other than what I'm calling you to, you're going to be deceived and you're going to be a slave to it forever. And what he says is, he just, he basically calls him out and says, you will be set free by this life, by this following of me. And he says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, but you're trying to kill me because my word has no place within you. Again, mental mind maps, their faith, their understanding, their worldview didn't line up with what Jesus was saying. And he says, uh, my word has no place within you. I speak of what I have seen in the presence of the Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. So he gives them the option that you can do what you want. You can keep trying that. But I'm going to show you that, like, I've been with the Father. I know this, and this is a truth that you can either shift and be part of this or not. And so there's a decision that has to be made. And Jesus continually goes back to that decision of faith in him, even though it's difficult and you may not understand it, it may not fit the, the, the worldview that you were raised with, but he says, this will actually transform your life. It'll set you free. Like, he's like, I'm not here to like keep you chained up and, and, and destroyed by evil. And he calls it that. He calls it sin, evil. He says like, these things will lead you astray. It'll wreck your life. I'm not here to like give you some kind of like heavy teaching that'll like just make life more difficult. He's like, I'm here to set you free. 
Like, I want to give you this truth that will set you free. And so that last verse where he just says he was amazed at the lack of their faith, he's like, I want you to begin to see this. There's this reality, this, this beautiful way of living that we can begin to seep into, that we can like begin to like stake our lives on. And so um, I just want to give an example of like kind of how this reality exists in our lives. And um, my own life, like I just, I, I see Jesus teaching that we are human beings, not human doings. You've heard that phrase? Um, and I have to be reminded of that continually. And so that truth, that reality is hard for me to understand. Like, this is me just being honest and real. Like, it's really hard for me to understand that I can just be in the presence of God and that he loves me as I am, regardless of how well I perform as a pastor, as a carpenter, as whatever, a friend, a husband, a father. Like, all those things can add a weight, right? Or a pressure of like, I need to perform in these areas really well. And I forget that I'm a human being. Like, that I just, that God loves me as I am, right? Like, I'm not loved based on the performance of my life. We all know that, right? I know that. I've preached that. But do I know that internally? Do I live into that? That's where I question. And that's where, like, I was reminded this week is, there's a funny conversation that I had with Malia where she said that they're learning about Solomon, and this conversation in 1 Kings 3 where Solomon and God have this conversation where he's like, basically, I'm going to narrow it down. He says, I'm going to give you whatever you want. And Solomon's response was, I just want wisdom, right? And God honors that as like, oh, you, you want to be able to discern between good and evil and discern between like what's best? I'm going to honor that because you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for more resources or power. You wanted wisdom. And and um, it was interesting because in that like little response, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like think through like how she was amazed by that. First of all, I was like this little <laughs> third grader, right, um, was amazed by that. But then she asked me the question. She's like, what would you ask? What would you answer if like God asked you like you can have one thing? And I was like, oh, good question. Think about that one. Like if you could have one thing from God right now, what would it be? And I answered contentment. Because I have that lack of contentment, because I feel like I always have to do certain things in order to like achieve and, and be good in God's eyes or whatever it is, and I forget that God loves us, He loves me, regardless. And I was like, oh, that would be pretty rad. I was like, contentment. I don't know if she fully understood what that means or anything, but it was just an interesting like awareness of, yeah, if I could have one thing, like I just I would want to be just content all the time. Not have to worry about like what comes next and how I'm going to, you know, achieve X, Y, and Z. Um, but to truly have that contentment because I'm plagued by desire. I just always want more. I don't know how to get rid of that. Like I just always want more. I always want more of whatever it is. I'm always having to tame that back. And um, and I think I think that truth that God is trying to weave into me is really hard to like. I guess unlearn, unlearn the lies about. The fact that I am loved as, it, as I am. Like, I don't need to do anything. Um, unlearning those lies is, is challenging. And so that's just really what, what I think Jesus is calling us to. And I think that, um, that I just, I, I hope that we can center back around as we, um, as we journey through this, this passage and what it means for our lives is that um, 
there has to be these steps where we begin to move forward and trust that Jesus' way is the best way um, because, man, I, I've been taught so many lies and so many things. So many, there's so many mental maps in my mind that, that lead to dead ends, so to speak, um, that need to be reshaped and reformed. And so here's like kind of the, where the rubber meets the road, I guess, is like how do we begin to live that out? Um, so let's explore some kind of life application, and we'll, we'll close with some time of sharing that. Um, so um, I couldn't help but use this analogy. When Matt and I were talking about uh, this, uh, this passage, he was like, it's kind of like the Indiana Jones thing where you have that faith step. You guys know this scene? You guys have all seen it probably. Everybody's familiar with it. He has to take this step, and he's like reading through like his notes in his book, and, and he's like, oh, I have to take this step of faith because there's this massive gap that he can't jump across, and he just takes that step of faith, and then the step appears, right? Um, and another step appears as he just keeps trusting and stepping out in faith, and the bridge across there just starts to appear more and more, right? And he walks all the way across it. So, um, I just wanted that mental kind of idea of like, I think there's things that you can just turn the audio off on that one. We can just watch it. But um, yeah, I'm really so into it. But, um, but I think we need that, um, that kind of mindset when it comes to some of the things that Jesus teaches us. Because like my contentment doesn't seem to happen because I'm like, I'm not willing to take that step. I'm like, well, contentment happens when I have more money. I don't. I don't want to take this step that says just be happy without money, right? Um, it's a difficult thing to unlearn. And I think we have to, as cheesy as that illustration is, we have to take those steps of faith, and that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, there's a, there's a truth. It's a reality. You'll see when you step into it that it really is a reality because I've experienced times where I'm content, where I'm like, okay, God, I love this truth about you that you just love me as I am and I don't need to do all these things. Um, and then I have that sense of peace, but I quickly forget it, right? Quickly forget, um, start driving on the left side of the road again. Um, but here's my question is like, what helps you become a learner? What helps you understand that kind of step of faith in your journey? looking around and seeing a lot of people have been around the church for a long time. Um, but if you're watching online and this is new to you, what, what's helped you learn and discover something that is true and that is real in your life? What has helped you become someone who seeks out truth and continues to step into it? What makes you open to reshaping your faith or your mental mind maps? It's a difficult one because I think this is really the the hinge on like how do we begin to shift from the things that we think we should be doing to the things that we know that God calls us to that we know are good. Um, and we have to be convinced, uh, fully convinced of this. So uh, the idea of like moving from I know that reading my Bible is good to actually reading my Bible because I enjoy the goodness that comes from it. Right? That's like a basic illustration of that. Or like I know that serving others is good, but until I begin to step into it and really trust it, it's not going to be a reality for me, right? Um, so it's going to require these steps of faith going to the place of going, 
Like, I remember when I first started reading my Bible, like, I knew it was something I had to do, but I didn't enjoy it. But then I saw that I was like, I'm going to take a step of faith. I saw other people and how much they enjoyed reading the Bible. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up and start reading a little bit. And I was like, oh, that was actually really good. Like, that spoke to my life. And then it became a reality. So it takes these little steps of faith, these little steps where we move in and go, okay, I'm going to trust what Jesus said and follow it and then begin to see how it unfolds. And so um, I guess like my question just to close would be um, we need a growth mindset. We have to have that mindset that Jesus is trying to teach us the best possible way of life. And it's going to take that growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, right? So again, that's going back to mental maps and worldview and faith. Um, a growth mindset says, I'm going to trust that reading my Bible is good. I'm going to open it up today, and I'm going to read some. A baby step towards, like, the thing that I need to be challenged in. And I know that's a basic illustration, but maybe it's something further for you, and maybe it's somebody that's really difficult to love right now. I'm going to trust that you're going to call me to love them and be patient with them, even though it's difficult, and just take that that step of faith into it, right? Um, So... This is the question I want to just kind of send us out. We'll grab some coffee, hang out for a few minutes if you don't mind. Um, greet each other, kind of see how everybody's doing. Um, but ask this question of like, what's one small step of faith that you feel like God's inviting you into right now? It could be just something basic right now. If there's deeper things that you want to talk about later with somebody that you're accountable to, then go for that. But, um, but what, do you, what do you sense God inviting you into? Like, where do you sense God challenging you to begin to shift your mental map your understanding of who he is. Um, the same way this community, as they heard him, they're like, he's crazy, he's that crazy carpenter. Like, he's always just goofing off on the job site, you know? Like, to no, this is Jesus who's bringing the truth that wants to transform life for eternity. What's the thing that you need to shift and change that you want to begin to step into? And I'm going to re- close with this prayer uh, by Henry Nouwen to kind of help guide us in this. He's a Dutch priest, a writer, professor, like just brilliant guy. But um, what's brilliant is the, the humility that he writes with and he writes this prayer. And it, hopefully this will guide kind of our, our posture and our, our approach to our faith. Please, Lord, keep calling me back to you by day and by night, in joy and in sadness, during moments of success and moments of failure. Never let me leave you. I know you walk with me. Help me walk with you today, tomorrow, and always. Again, it's this posture that we want to grow in faith. We want to grow in these steps and discover more of him. And so what's that little faith step that you need to take today? I'm going to pray, and then we'll share that um, as we go out. So, Lord, thank you for your word that continually convicts us about the truth and helps us confront the lies that we are fed, either growing up or even in our culture that sometimes lead us into these places of darkness, that lead us away from life. Um, And so, Lord, I I just pray that your word would take root today as we leave. Um, There's realities that we need to step into, um, and it's different for all of us, and we're all continuing to get a clearer picture of who you are. But help us to never give up pursuing you and, um, and stepping further into faith and, and, and uprooting all the lies and the things that, that deceive us. And so uh, we just want to turn our gaze, turn our attention continually on you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, if you guys want to grab coffee or whatever, let's, uh, 
Let's be bold. Share something that you want to step into. We'll raise some peace.